Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey guys, producer Ben here. Before we get started, I wanted to share with you our sponsor for today, and that is the one and only Tiny Survival Guide and Card. You can get yours pre-ordered right now over on kickstarter.com, or you can get early access to it before Kickstarter ships over on patreon.com. Go get yours now. All right, let's get into today's Manly Musing segment. Everybody, Craig Cottle, director of Nature Reliance School and co-host of the Survival Show podcast. Thanks for joining me today for Manly Musings, my weekly foray into, I guess, my musings as a man. So thanks for joining me. So it's been a good week. Uh, if you're not part of the different social media platforms that you can connect with David and I on, you need to get in on that. We both have pretty robust Facebook pages and Instagrams and obviously the YouTube channels. Go over to David's YouTube channel. It's a monster and uh, a beautiful monster at that. So check that out. One of the things that we have at Nature Online School is we have a community education group on Facebook and we engage in discussion on any number of talks, topics as they relate to education and outdoors. And uh, it's run by several administrators, which are all students of Nature Reliance School and they're all professionals in their own right, in their own fields of study. And uh, it's, it's a great group, and I love being part of it, and I learn a lot from these other folks that post things up. But one of the things, obviously, that I love to study and research on is mindset. In my first book, Extreme Wilderness Survival, I wrote five chapters on mindset development, how to, uh, sometimes I say bulletproof your mind. It's not really that as much as it is how to... Uh, Put your mind in a position where it can efficiently work, even in the midst of survival. But one of the admins at the group on Facebook this week posted about uh, a video that was just fantastic. It was real short and sweet, very simple to the point. And what I thought I'd do is work through that video. And uh, when I get this podcast posted up we'll connect it to my blog on nature reliance school as well as the video if you want to watch the video but i'm going to cover the points in the video uh, because they relate to any physical skill and it focuses a lot of attention on high level athletes maybe even musicians and stuff of that nature as skill level but i want to apply it to survival training and one of the things that this video did a really good job of was explaining that practice does not make perfect. It doesn't say that, but if you watch the video and, and listen to the rest of this podcast, I think you'll understand what I mean by that. A lot of people say practice makes perfect. Now, that is not necessarily true. And some will say perfect practice makes perfect. And I'm more happy with that than, than anything else because what you necessarily have to have, you must have, is that anytime you want to master a physical skill, whether it's fire building, shelter building, uh, water purification, and, and again, I'm relating this to survival, 
you must, you must have effective practice. So that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about effective practice in any skill that you want to engage in. So practice is basically uh, numerous repetitions of anything where you're wanting to get better at doing it. So the video says, you know, with a goal of improvement, obviously. So bow drill fire, for example, if you want to make bow drill fires better, the best way to get good at making bow drill fires is to make a lot of bow drill fires, a lot of them. What we need to understand is that, uh, and I've said this for years, teaching martial arts, teaching outdoor skills, and teaching a lot of the physical skills that I've taught over the years, is that there's a common misunderstanding that of this term called muscle memory. And your muscles don't actually have little brains in them. They just don't. There is no memory in your muscles. And so that is an incredibly uh, wrong misunderstanding that is rooted in some really good science. And so the science is this, is that gray matter and white matter makes up your brain. And gray matter is the part of your brain that processes information and then directs that information to sensory stimuli and into the nerve cells, okay? So white matter is mostly made up of basically fatty tissue and nerve fibers. So basically what happens is that when we want our bodies to move, we want them to do something. Again, making a fire, for example. Um, signals have to start in that, you know, for lack of a better way of saying that this gray matter, and it takes that information that pushes down the spinal cord and goes through these areas of the body called axons that connect to the spinal cord, which are connected to the muscles, and then you do something. Your body actually does something physical. Again, whether you are uh, getting hit in the face in a boxing match and you receive it and then your body responds to it, or you're, again, making that, that bow drill fire that I'm going to keep going back to. So the way we help this process is that we continue to practice, whether it's boxing, uh, fire making, again, water purification, uh, even if it's just getting through the uh, what I call the embrace the suck of rucking and learning how to deal with uh, stress and pain and and being uncomfortable. The more you do that, what they discovered is that these axons, which are the, again, the neural pathways basically into your muscle system, is that they have a sheath on them called myelin. And this myelin it has been discovered in some research that the more you do a certain task, the thicker that myelin gets. And so it works kind of like this, is that think about electrical lines. So the cord from a, from a lamp, for example, going into the electrical socket of your home. And uh, the cord, well, maybe a better, <laughs> maybe a better uh, analogy would be the cord that supports your your particular favorite phone, whether it be an Android or an Apple device, think about that cord. It's real thin. More often than not, they're kind of delicate. You use them for a while, and then after you use them on a daily basis, on a regular basis, you end up having to discard them because they don't last very long. So myelin is like that sheath of that covers the, the electrical lines within that cord. Think of it this way. The the more you practice a skill, the thicker that cord gets, that covering of the cord, the insulation around that cord. And so it's not that it changes anything within the cord, but what it does do, it does protect it and allows energy to flow through it more readily. Your body works the same way. And so the more you 
continue to practice, the thicker that myelin gets, which means those stimuli from the brain all the way through, through the axons, through your spinal cord and all the way out into your uh, muscular system, all that system, if you will, works more efficiently. And because the axons are more insulated, what allows that to happen is that information doesn't have any outside influence and it works more efficiently. So that is very important to understand. So the big question is, well, how do we get better? I mean, how do we get better? Is it just repetition? No, it's not. A, it's effective repetition. So here's some ways that you can have more effective training. Number one, minimize the distractions that are around you whenever you're going to train. So in the video, it mentions uh, things like cell phones and TV. But what I do mean is that for you, and this is why we do things the way we do at Nature Reliance School, which is very different than other schools, is that in our level one courses, we tell everybody, and I'm getting ready to explain why we do this and why I think we are top notch in our field, is that we want to eliminate distractions in our training, particularly for level one. And so you'll, you'll note in a lot of training schools, they kind of take this, uh, let's go really hard, make everything's really difficult, really uncomfortable for people. And all those things are distractions, okay? And because of that distraction, when you're practicing a skill for the first time, let's say you come to a, a level one survival class and you're practicing fire building, I want people to have as few distractions as possible. And since we take a lot of people, we and any other training organization take a lot of people and they go from work to <laughs> basically to a training class and a lot of people don't spend a lot of time outside. I want them to be well fed. I want them to be uh, sleep as best they can. I don't want to be incredibly tired. I don't want a lot of distractions. And so your training should be the same. Whether you come and train with us at Nature Reliance School or whether you train on your own in your own backyard, eliminate those distractions so that when you're doing your training, it's more effective. Okay. The other way to do this is to start out slow. You know, the, the old tactical gun shooting training methodology is slow equals smooth and then smooth equals fast. And that's true in any physical skill. Um, you have to have a certain amount of power obviously to shoot a free throw and put it in the basket but you want to start slow in the process and so you know this video that I keep uh, alluding to talks about elite athletes I'm not expecting us to be elite athletes but consider somebody like a Michael Jordan who was you know elite of the lead in basketball he would still spend you know 50 hours a week practicing the things that he was doing to be that elite even though he was as good as he was, the reason he got as good as he was was because he continued to train and, and maintain his effectiveness. Some other things to do is to split up your practice and in smaller segments. So if you're going to practice all day long, then don't just get hardcore into it and practice eight hours one day. Okay. So that's why, again, in our Nature Reliance School classes, I switch what we're doing up. You know, we might do fire building for a short while, we might do water purification for a short while. But you need to figure out a way for you to, to split up what it is that you're doing so that you become uh, more effective and you can retain more of that information. One of my great mentors, uh, Cornelius Nash of Enhanced Tracting Applications, say, 
you know, if you can't go through training and it's still, if, if you're teaching people and it's not relatable and they can't retain it, then you've wasted your time. And that's what I see in a lot of people's training, whether they do it on their own or they go to different schools, is that they're so wore out, they're so tired, and they uh, don't have the ability to retain the information that they went there to get, they paid for, they took time off from work to get, and so that's just not effective training. Now, don't think for a second that I'm not saying that we shouldn't put ourselves through stressors. We'll talk another day on stress inoculation and how to go about doing it effectively. But for our purposes here, I want to talk to you all that are beginning to learn a skill. You might be an advanced woodsman, but you're trying to learn, let's say, a bow drill fire. I mean, you spent a lot of time hunting, you spent a lot of time fishing, you spent a lot of time camping, stuff like that, but hey, you want to learn bow drill fire, for example. Well, here's the method to do that. And let's say that you're a newbie, you haven't spent much time outdoors at all, and you want to learn how to hunt, then don't go deer hunting the first time. Go squirrel hunting. Do something a little bit smaller where it's not as difficult, you don't have as many stressors, and it makes it a little bit easier for your training. So once you do have a physical skill that is established, uh, it's important to understand, and I wrote about this extensively in my first book, Extreme Wilderness Survival. I mentioned that earlier, which is this process of visualization. Because, uh, and I laid this out this way in my book, and this is in uh, the chapter on mindfulness. I got my book in front of me here. Let me see what chapter this is. Chapter four. Um, couldn't remember what chapter number it was, but visualization is a very powerful thing. Uh, back when I was first started studying judo. One of the things that my judo coach, Ben Van Arsdale, told us is that he, he was remark he it was really weird back then when I was really young and I did not understand the value of what he was doing. But when we would drive to tournaments to go compete, he always had these visualization cassette tapes that he would play and and when we would drive, you, you know, it was always weird whether you wanted to be part of and get in his car or not. He always had the higher ranks in his car and the lower ranks and in another car. We would all laugh about it, right? I had no idea how valuable what he was trying to teach us was, which is he was just trying to teach us visualization techniques more than anything else. And um, one of the things that came about that he told us about, and then I did more research and studied on, is this idea of visualization. At the Kodakon and the United States Judo Olympic Training Center, uh, these are areas where uh, they teach physical skill and they spend a lot of time doing it. In Japan, uh, the, Jap the martial arts that I trained in, Judo and Aikido and Iaido, the, the old adage is something like 10,000 reps, and then you become a master of it. So you, you do something 10,000 times, and then you actually know it. Okay. So what they discovered at the United States Judo Olympic Training Center, and the video that I mentioned earlier alluded to this with basketball players shooting free throws, is that... Once you have an effective control over a skill, meaning you know how to shoot a free throw and you do pretty good at it, you just want to get really good at it, you can get to the point where your practice can include uh, lots of visualization. And what I mean by visualization is that, let's say you want to make uh, fire with a ferro rod, a ferro serum rod. Well, you get effective at doing that where, hey, I've made a lot of fires with a ferro rod, and because we live in a modern world and not every one of us has six to eight hours a day to go spend time in the woods and practice fire building, you can visualize doing it. That's why you can also learn some from YouTube. Uh, 
and watching TV shows and stuff of that nature. But that doesn't give you the skill if that's all you do. You have to put the effective, and, and, and I keep focusing on this word effective, you have to have effective training and effective ownership of that skill. Then your visualization will continue to help that skill to stay steady or even get stronger. So uh, there was a story I told many years in, in my martial arts dojo that I told people about visualization. I thought it was fantastic. And I can't remember what year it was, but one year there was a, a long distance runner for the Olympics. And I can't remember her name. All I remember is that the Olympics were in Australia that year. And the person that was expected to win this long distance run was an Australian. But there was a competitor from another country who, just like all the athletes in the Olympics, had spent her life wanting to win this race or win this competition, whatever it was that they were involved in. And she knew that since it was in this, this other competitor's home country, that the Australian would have a lot of support. And so what she did as a visualization practice is not only did she run and continue to run and get better at running, but she got to the point where several months before she was to compete, she would spend time each day uh, sitting and doing nothing but visualizing the end of the race. And the way she visualized the end of the race was she could visually watch herself coming down this single track and the Australian was in the lead and she was behind. And what she experienced and listened to was all these other Australians that were there to support the Australian competitor screaming and yelling and yay and all this kind of good stuff. And what she trained her mind to do is listen to that encouragement for the Australian and she convinced herself that, that those yells actually strengthened her and made her run faster. And she visualized herself that every time she heard somebody yelling the other person's name, it pushed her faster and faster and faster until she, at the end of the race, she just blew by the Australian in her mind. She did this for months leading up to competition. Now, guess what happened? Yeah, you're right. What she visualized is exactly what happened. She ran the race. She was close by the Australian and coming down the stretch, if you will, there was so much screaming and yelling and she was wore out. She was tired, but because she had visually told herself, or through her visualization, she had taught herself, that makes me powerful. That makes me strong. She just blew by. I mean, just, you can watch the race now if you can find a clip of it. And you can just see this, this person from another country just blow by this Australian like she kicked it in turbo drive. That's the power of visualization. That's the power of your mind, okay? So that was my topic for today. I wanted to work on our practice. So I really sincerely hope this helps you in your practice, no matter what it is you're doing. You want to be a better, you want to be better at swinging your kids in the yard, then you need to get out and swing your kids in the yard. You want to be better at making bow drill fire, then you need to make some bow drill fires. And again, focus your attention on getting to this level of effective skill meaning that you're effective at doing it and then you can continue to do it. You can also visualize what you're doing and it will continue to make yourself better. So this has been Mr. Craig Cottle. 
hey, if you haven't, check us out on the survivalshow.com. That's the website. Uh, we got a, I'm just telling you, we got some secrets that are coming <laughs> for that website that you all are going to love. So check that out. And uh, I really appreciate you joining me here for my manly musings on Thursdays like I usually do. So have a great week and we'll see you next week. All right, guys, that wraps up today's Manly Musings segment. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned a lot. Let us know what you think. And don't forget, you can engage with us anytime over on Patreon. Let us know how we're doing. You can give us some suggestions for our future podcasts. And you can submit questions to be answered on our full-length show. And remember, keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp.